There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy. From the Feeling Alive podcast. And the woke man is a sub series. You're welcome. I got I got the demands from Zach himself, baby Jesus, to start recording. So I thought, fuck, I better follow the commands of the the wise one. Of the Lord. Welcome to the woke man, ladies and gentlemen. This is the greatest case study on man. This will be the the Bible for the unconscious the journal to help those who are yet to change shift and look at the stories of those who've already done it i'm here with my brother zach my man how are you good my bro i'm really well i'm good stoked to be on here man we've just been um talking about your photo the the woke man photo that you said you wanted to find the workers photo for the cut for the social card that's the one it's my favorite. It's like I just said, you're just shining a fucking. It's like the sun is beaming down. Oh, God, the Helios God, God of Helios, is shining all his rays down on you in the golden tinge cast shadows across your face. The great God himself sent down to love on all those beneath him and around him to see them as himself. That's what it's about, Luca. The wokest man of all. I'm glad you got that impression, brother. I'm glad you got that impression. You know, I didn't just get it from a photo too, man. I got it from our first meeting when we met in Uluwatu in Bali. It was funny. It was, um, it was actually funny that we actually went to that cafe because it wasn't a normal cafe we'd go to. Um, we got flushed out of that cafe in Uluwatu, DK and I, and we went down uh, because of the, the toilet. Um, what happened to the toilet? That's right. I went to go to the toilet. And then there was just like, as you flush, the shit didn't go down the pipe. Yes, I was. Yes, that's what I was doing. I was having a shit. And it didn't go down the pipe and it went seeped out through under the, the, the gap between the, the, the toilet and the, and the floor and it flushed out. And so I like to think that our guides, God, universe, whatever, pushed that shit outside of the seat for you and I to be here right now. 
Yeah, yeah, that was my doing, man. I mean, you know, Helios, here I am. I'm calling <laughs> you. I'm beckoning you to come to where I'm at, my cafe. No. And then no, I saw yeah. you. And then I saw you, the the wise man with his vegan Birkenstocks on, reading a yeah. book, yeah. reading a piece of literature. Yeah, incognito. Mm. You don't know those Birks are vegan until you ask. I, but, know, you know. I know another pair of vegan, uh, vegan Burks when I see one, and that's what caught my okay. eye first. Okay. Glistening on the Got right side of, my, of, my, of the, the corners of the, the restaurant. Yeah. What a lot's you... happened since then, man. A lot's changed. But it was, it was a cool first encounter. And the next couple of weeks, kind of, um, we met up several times. We, we connected with other people, like-minded people, had mm-hmm. some, some pretty deep and meaningful conversations. It was cool. Mm. It was good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we went and did a um, one of those breath did breath work. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty like pretty epic stuff, man. Like mm-hmm. for me, first first time doing anything like that, it was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, haven't done anything like that since, but yeah, um, definitely been been a lot more mindful of how the breath works and and how it can kind of influence the way that we just operate as humans. Yeah. Yeah, it's very powerful. Eh? I mean, we even, we, you met, it's like funny, the, the synchronicities that led us to each other's paths and then friends of friends and blah, blah, blah. Like you met James Poot, who, you know, later became, you introduced me to me, him to me, later became my mate. And then it was just like a, you know, a, a syndicate of synchronicities, so to speak. Precisely. Mm. Bro, let's just, let's, what just, you- let's get it going, eh? Let's get it going. What do you got for me, Luca? I'm scared. No, no. <laughs> I got Helios himself is is scared of the wrath of the Walkman. Quaking in his boots. Um, I've got 20 questions. Nine of them are going to be quick fire, just to get to know you and and those those people listening will get to see your perspective on things. And um, then we've got 11 main questions, and they're just talking about your journey, you know. And, this is a journey. That's exactly it. It's not a destination. We are not on a pedestal. We haven't made it, and we're not better than anyone else. We're just in a different time frame and timeline. And so, the first question is the hardest, and it is: Where did you grow up, and where do you live now? Oh, awesome! Yeah, um, where did I grow up? I grew up in Aotea, Great Barrier Island. I was actually born in Waitakere, Auckland, Tamaki Makoto. Um, so for those that don't know, that's uh, not the capital of New Zealand, it's, but it is the biggest city mm-hmm. by landmass and population mm-hmm. of New Zealand. Our west, um, yeah, my parents uh, owned a house out there. It was their first time. They were pretty young. Mum was like 22. Wow. Dad was 24 and not 25. Um, they already had like my big sister by then. So I'm a middle of three. Mm. Um, and we moved pretty quickly across to Great Barrier Island. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was preschool over there. Um, my great-grandfather started a community. Um, like an intentional a, community? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was actually a Christian commune um, for drug and alcohol rehabilitation. Sure. Um, Interesting. So yeah, yeah, there was a few. There are obviously a few driving factors in there that made them start that, and different motives and things. Yeah. Um. But all in all, it was a really um, kind of wholesome, um, good intention kind of thing yeah. for for people to come and and 
find God, obviously, but also um, come out of different vices that they had that were holding them down in life. Um, so sure. yeah, that that came with it some. And so you got challenges. brought up in that community. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. But but for only two years of my life, two three years, my sister was there um, as well. She started school there. So did I, but only for two terms. Yeah. Um, Okiwi Primary School, but my mum lived there till she was 16 years old, and then did her last year of school, high school over here on the mainland, as you call it. Yeah. She'd run to school and bare feet, and people would look at her strangely, like, "Who's this island chick?" Wow. Like, so, so you live in Auckland now, right? Yep, that's yeah. the one. And and um, are you is Great Barrier just just reference for everyone? Where's Great Barrier Reef? Uh, Great Barrier Island. <laughs> Great Barrier Island is um, four hours boat ride east of Tamaki Makoto, Auckland. Yeah. 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 Um, or a half an hour plane. It's like a seven seater plane with propellers. You, you go out there by plane as well and on a, yeah. on a grass airstrip. So, yeah. It's, How many it's people live on that far. island? I don't know, man. I don't know the population, but it's fluctuated over the years. It's, it's, it's not hugely populated because it's hard to come by things over there. You've got yeah. a four square you know, dairy, a, a superette or a convenience store, you know, you don't yeah. have a supermarket. You've yeah, got uh, a couple of petrol stations. Of people and, just grow on their own stuff, farming. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, 100% growing their own stuff in wow. every way, every kind. <laughs> Connected to nature, man. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel you there. Yeah. Sweet, bro. Um, how old are you now? I'm 28. Cool. 28. Um, and what are you doing for a living right now? I'm working in sexual violence prevention. What so I mean? go into, I go into high schools um, throughout Tamaki Makoto, um, basically taking a strengths-based approach to relationships, intimate relationships, sexual relationships, and helping young people realize what their rights and responsibilities are, mm-hmm. how to um, be, show, show other people respect, and, um, and yeah, navigate awesome. those things that a lot of us, myself included, didn't get a massive education on and didn't mm. weren't talked about about a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, with the main goal being um, being able to, to reduce some pretty shocking statistics around family and sexual violence within mm. Aotearoa. Wow, that's wicked, man. Good on you. Yeah. So, what's one thing you're really good at, bro? <clears throat> one thing I'm really good at is connecting. Uh, with people one-to-one, but in, in a big group as well. I like to hold space. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm finding I'm going, I'm fluxing through uh, being really introverted. And, and and I know we use that word, we use it loosely, but I love my own time. I love mm-hmm. being creative, whether that's mm-hmm. writing poetry mm-hmm. um, or, or writing music um, and learning, learning and, and reading. But I um I do love connecting with people, mm. and uh, the question was, what do I like doing, or what am I good at? What are you really good at? So it's like listening, really um, <laughs> and and holding space. Yeah, connecting and influencing. I think I um especially yeah, with your job, I've, right? I've, I've, yeah, yeah, I've got a knack for influencing people in general. Yeah, that's cool, man. And what's uh, what's your biggest fear at the moment? Biggest fear. Great question, man. That's probably the toughest so far. <laughs> Biggest fear at the moment. Gee. Uh, 
probably have to say being judged people's perceptions of me something that I'm grappling with and, and coming to terms with about whether I give a fuck mm. <laughs> um, because the truth is I do mm. and why and getting to the bottom of that um, yeah so what is it mainly that is like the area that you're 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 scared to reveal my true authentic self like the the poetic side the 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 goof and the yeah the soft side the the raw vulnerable um emotional Mm. geek geeky nerdy goofy wacky persona that i like innately have um, you know, like I spent lockdown creating a board game. Like how, like how many people would I be prepared to share that with? Yeah. Well, a lot now. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But uh, hey, that's what this is about, what, man. What board game is it, man? That sounds fucking um, I created a board game. I don't want to say too much because um, oh, I'm going to sell it. You're going to sell yeah. it. Yeah. And then you're going to be the woke, the richest woke man ever. <laughs> I don't want to say too much, but I've basically taken models of a few different games that people love and, and that have worked well in the past, but use some of some things that I'm really into and passionate about because otherwise, what, like, no point creating a board game I wouldn't want to play myself. Totally, dude, so, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I lived with a guy in Canada when I was over there who was just obsessed with board games and he got me help, like right into it. Um, you played Catan, eh? Yep, Settlers, yeah. Settlers of Catan, yeah. dude, one of the best games ever. Um, yeah. And he he was like right into it, so he'd like get me to sit down and just play board games with him, and I was like, yeah, sweet man, got right into Catan, got right into another one he was playing. And then he just decided he wanted to try this new game, and it hadn't been released yet, so he wanted to play it before it had actually been created and, and sold as a physical product and um i'm like the fuck how are you gonna do that and he goes i'm gonna make it and so he got cardboard he got all pieces from all different other board games and he ended up making this game and just laying it all out and there's like so many different pieces to this thing and he said this is this this is this and we played it and um it was so fucking awesome i beat him yeah. and <laughs> which i took pride in because he was the fucking get board game master However, yeah. when it did come out, I bought the game and it wasn't nearly as fun when he created it himself. But I've still got the game. It was called Photosynthesis. Yeah. Um, Maybe you were attracted to his intensity and passion mm. at the time of playing it. And then when you played it again without him in the room or playing with you, it That's didn't so have true. that same life force. Because I had his passion and intensity about the game when I was getting others into it. And so no one had yeah. that. And I'm yeah. like, I just wanted to fucking beat him because I saw how passionate he was. So yeah, that's a good point, man. All right, so next question. What's your biggest, uh, what's your favorite quote? Oh, shit. Um, favorite quote. Really good question. I'm a, like, I suck at remembering quotes word for word, mm. but I'll drop one. Um, Oh, honestly, that's a tough question. Only because my memory's shot. Um, what comes to mind? Doesn't matter if you paraphrase it. Yeah. Hmm. 
I, I think one that really holds true to me at this point in time would be that it's the inability to recognize where we sit in relation to other people that is the cause of disconnect. So you elaborate hugely, on that for me. Yeah, cool. So obviously hugely paraphrased. Um, but <laughs> I love that, hugely paraphrased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically just like um, the essence of that is what's got us to where we are now in our journey yeah. versus someone else's individual journey and, and the things that have gone before for them. Um, and that can be environmental things that have happened in their lives. It can be people who, um, it can be um, gender, race, sex, uh, or species in terms of their, you know, kind of their identity. Um, it's in our inability to recognize our own situation and someone else's situation that creates a disconnect because mm. we can connect with people who are completely different to us mm. if we recognize those nuances and differences. But as soon, but what we do so often as humans is struggle to connect with those who are different to us in opinions and mm. values and morals. And so it's, and and we avoid situations where we have to mix with people that are different to us because it's uncomfortable mm -hmm. and because it, it um, requires us to step out of our own comfort zones yeah. um, and to challenge ourselves and to truly grow. Yeah. Um, so yeah. to say like accept others as a product of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Do unto others as you would to yourself. Yeah. Mm. I like that, brother. I, I completely resonate with that. Um, so next question, what is a conscious man to you? Conscious man is someone who can recognize fault in themselves. Um, recognize fault. Um, who is able to, who is able to connect with people and empathize and set aside their own perspective in, in order to understand, truly understand and be able to um, tap into what another person is feeling. Mm. Um, a conscious man is being able to separate their own ego mm. from their own ego from an experience or mm. presence, being present in mind and, and conscious of how they're acting, what they're choosing to do, and how that affects others around them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have a connection to that energy field or that awareness of themselves and the others and others and and um like you said, back to your quote, see those as yourself and um accept yeah. those as yourself is like it's you know, that's been a very common common answer yeah. to this question, bro. Yeah, yeah. For People sure. are at different evolutions of their own life. Yeah. 
people are some people are babies and they're like in a baby state or a child mind is taking over and then other people have tapped into kind of the more conscious parts of their own mind and are mm-hmm. conscious of their own movements and are conscious of their own patterns and behaviors habits like we're creatures of habit yeah mm. so undoing one habit that we see as something that's holding us back we have to overcome that habit most often by replacing it completely mm. with another habit um mm-hmm. yeah so like stuff like that i think that that is a conscious man yeah for sure bro love that uh, oh, so- i'll add to that bro yeah, also being that. aware of the privilege you hold as a man in relation to uh in relation to women That's and an people who don't identify as men yeah the privilege that you hold as a man unaware of the privilege that you hold even just on next levels aware of the privilege you hold as a human yeah hey, because you yeah. know white well, being born white is so much more of a privilege than being born black being yeah. born and being as, born human yeah, yeah, exactly. Being born human is a very different privilege altogether. So yeah. it's like having a complete appreciation for you as yeah. well. Mm. Yeah, that's but in the do. context of men and being a conscious man, yeah, and and because of the work that I do in sexual violence prevention, and that being a very gendered, um, a gendered, uh, gendered violence. Yeah know that that sort of thing doesn't happen just to women but we know that by and large it happens from men to women mm. by and large so being aware of the privileges you hold like being able to go for a run at 10 p.m at night and not look over your shoulder or have to mm. watch and look around you or wear headphones because you're getting cat called you don't want to hear the cat calls but you also need to be aware of like who is around you mm. yeah that's luck. Which, That's know, appreciation yeah. for that fucking fortune you have in your life. Mm. Yeah. Cool, bro. Um, what's one thing that challenges you right now? One thing challenging me is feeling comfortable, man. Feeling comfortable. My job is I'm super um, – I've made choices that have put me into a, the job I'm in that – affords me a lot of time um i was able to work at home during lockdown at, um without having to cut hours anything like that i'm living with my parents just while we find a place to live my partner and i feeling comfortable and and um there's it's kind of a two-pronged thing on one hand i'm, I'm relishing I'm, I'm learning to cherish the time that i have to feel comfortable and to be like wow this is awesome I have time to create a board game. I have time to write poetry. I have time to spend with loved ones. Mm. But then looking ahead to put myself into uncomfortable, more uncomfortable situations in order to grow and in order to whatever it is to achieve some goals that I might have. Um, Mm. and, And if I'm sitting with comfort and luxury of just full freedom unbridled freedom that i feel then i'm not necessarily compelled to move Mm. and i think that i need to feel compelled to move at times and that's what that discomfort is bringing you but also bringing you that that mental challenge of sort of like being on the edge yeah yeah 
Man, it's yeah. a good spot. Being in that, being being safe and uncomfortable, is a really good spot for growth. <clears throat> for those listening, safe and discomfort are a, re- a recipe for success and change. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you can fall back and be yeah. okay. Yeah, exactly, man. Good on you, bro. Uh, what's Cheers. what does unconditional love mean to you? Love without judgment. Oh, I meant to that. And I think love in in itself, love is the absence of judgment. Yeah. You feel so love, whether it's just if you're in love, it's it's just unconditional regardless. You don't need to have that word to it. Yeah. If you're in love, yeah. Yeah. You don't, yeah. You, you kind of don't need to have that. Unconditional um, love is just love. Yeah. Mm, that's yeah. cool, man. No one's actually said that, but everyone said non love without judgment or you know acceptance. But really, yeah. no one's really said. I mean, you just take out unconditional, and love explains it. Yeah, yeah. And feeling in love is an attachment, and we all are attached to different things. And attachment, if you look into it, attachment, some would say, and it's like is innately a negative thing. But I would say attachment is what it is. Being aware of our attachments is super important. Mm-hmm. Being aware of how attached I am to my partner, Sada, to my parents and their life, their health, their vitality, and how much longer they have on this earth. Being aware of my attachment to material things like my car um, mm-hmm. and moving into a new flat soon, feeling like, hey, I could sell my car and cycle to work. Mm. then I don't have a car and I feel, ah, oh, I have this attachment to that. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's touching on Buddhism, isn't it? Like one of the root of all suffering attachment is the root of all suffering and say, you know, be completely okay with detaching. And if you think about it, like that's a deep level, but that's what they work yeah. towards in their yeah. lives. They renounce everything and say, I'm completely okay as one, you know, yeah. is there a reason, is there like a, another level to like, hey, we live in the real world. Yeah. And I think everyone has different purposes and destinies. Like the monks are there to show us that it is okay so that we can practice it in our material world. Mm. Um, and we can understand that we are in a human world, in a material world. Mm. There's so much to it, man. It's like, yeah. But attachment, and not- I completely agree. I yeah. completely agree that in love, what you're saying is an attachment. I see that. Because you are in love with something that yeah. what happens if that love was stripped away from that, you. Yeah, or that thing, that someone or that something is stripped away. Yeah. Mm, will you if you lose it? it, if it breaks, if it's sold, if whatever. Yeah. Would you say there's a, like, there will be a period of mourning, however? And, and yeah. how would it serve us? Yeah, I think that again go back to attachment being there and coming to terms with the fact that maybe it will always be attached to things and and that's okay but being aware is important and if you are stripped of that or you lose it there will be a period of mourning because that is suffering and humans i think have to suffer in life we have to go through suffering in order to grow so like a period of mourning is inevitable i think again how it serves us and and you've talked on this in the past luke and and i've I've learned a lot from what you've said but um 
what how it serves us, how suffering serves us, or losing things that we're attached to and value, um, is simply acknowledging mm-hmm. that mourning and that attachment that we had, and then going, what value have I lost? What actual value have I lost to my identity? And when when you figure out that the answer is nothing or very little, mm. and that there are gonna there's gonna be something that you're immediately gonna attach onto afterwards, yeah, hopefully consciously, <laughs> mm. then then um then it becomes redundant and it's fine and mm. life goes on mm. and I think that maybe that's what we get out of it is that life is fluid and impermanent and nothing is nothing is permanent our relationships yeah we might be with the same person and grow old together and die but our relationship will be Always impermanent mm-hmm. yeah in the in the flux and and what if we do break up what if things don't go right what if i wreck my acl like i did a year ago like rupture my knee mm. Well, that impermanence, I went through a morning of not being able to play football and be mm-hmm. and move and be active. I was on crutches. I couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't drive for a period. I couldn't do this and that. Mm. I feel you, man. I feel you, brother. So last mm-hmm. question of the quick fire. Yeah. Sure. What's, do you believe in a greater power and what is that to you? Great question. Great question. I've worked a lot in the last couple of years to remove judgment of religion removed my judgment yeah Yeah, especially growing up in it and we moved away from it when i was about seven or eight years old in terms of going to church and following more regimented religious structures like we went my first second primary school was a religious school a christian school Mm -hmm. then we went to public schools from then on (laughs) so as a family we moved away from it but obviously you hold on to the things that your parents have raised you with and nurtured Mm -hmm. you with and um yeah so just recently accepting religion as something that is good oh sorry that is there and that can be good um for me higher power is definitely a thing it's there but it comes in the form first and foremost for me it comes in the form of the universe and as mother nature and actually more so this year brother um higher power for me is a culmination of heaps of things Mm. it's allah it's buddha it's papatunuku it's yeah it's like maori it's it's maori um culture belief it's the expressions of all things in everything yeah yeah there's no one god there is um there is many gods and God is what you make it. It's a, a structure. It's a, it's a structure that you create. Is God within you? Yes. I don't know how that looks. And I don't know who God is. God is a woman. <laughs> God is probably, God is a woman. God is beautiful. God is compassionate and benevolent to all beings is devoid of any judgment of any criticism god is not bigoted god is not um sexist god is not misogynistic or racist god is life 
and I, yeah, God is, and I don't know what that looks like, but it's really cool. It's really cool to see every guy's answer here, eh? Because it's it's a hundred percent is all said. Yes, they do. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, geez, we might even create the find the answers to the fucking the unknown question, the mysterious question of God through this workman series. Hundred people all saying what God is. We might have like a pattern. Yeah, can be cool. Who knows, man? I'm looking forward to hearing all the experiences and the journeys, the stories. Yeah, man, it's gonna be awesome. Um, all right, bro. So we're gonna pump into the pump out these next questions. These are the main. Cool. These are where we'll get real about your journey. And the first question is, what did your life look like as unwoke, and what does it look like now? Cool, great question. Um, let's get the record straight, man. I am not a fan of labels in general. Yeah, and this too. has changed for me. Um, and I think that we'll have some commonality on this, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't like the word. I don't like the word woke. I don't like the word vegan. I don't like the word. Uh, I don't like the word Christian. I don't like the word. You know. Um, yeah, and when I, I say you. don't like, when I say don't like, I mean. I am okay with people associating and affiliating themselves with those words, but I am critical of the limitations of those words and the connotations of those words and how it actually creates boxes and it creates division Mm -hmm. and it creates hate. Um, A lot of these words are divisive and they haven't done a lot of good for humanity as a whole. Mm. Um, what did my life look like before I was woke? <laughs> Hashtag woke. Um, asleep, man. I was sleeping. I was. Um, what does sleeping mean? I was going through the motions, man. Mm. And I mean, not in not in the sense of going through the motions and seeing what comes and being open minded and aware and uh, and looking at things without um, judgment or or criticism. I was going through the motions sleeping in the sense that I wasn't in any form of control of my own life. Mm -hmm. Um, And we might say none of us are in control of our own lives, but I wasn't taking any control. I wasn't noticing things happening around me. Mm -hmm. I wasn't noticing friends, family. I wasn't noticing suffering happening around me or within me i wasn't noticing trauma that i have experienced or and acknowledging it as like real as acknowledging it as like um something that has essence and and is valid um yeah i i um i was I, i suppose before being woke living life um constantly morphing to please other people and yeah. to be liked and to be cool and to be masculine or what I thought masculinity meant. Um, and to answer the second part of the question, I suppose since then, it's more about looking inside and being like, okay, um, what do I want my life to look like? What visions do I have for myself? Um, am I okay with those visions not turning out to be how I envisage them to be? Mm. Um, what do I think men, what do I think the world has to gain from men 
and people who are in positions of power acknowledging their own power and what can we do with that power again going back to the fact of being human of being white of being male or male identifying what what are those positions allowing us to do and what and what are we currently doing with them if you look at society and can I be any form of change, just me on my own? Fuck yeah, 100% I can. Just by doing what I do in my day-to-day life, the people around me are going to see that, are going to watch and are going to observe, and it's going to have some form of impact mm. on them. And that's on a spectrum. But I think too many of us are like, well, let's sit back. I can't do anything. I'm going to live my life and go... So you've, yeah, it's almost like you've taken a lot more ownership for who you are and, and, and where you want to be. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Fucking oath, bro. I respect that. <laughs> and I too, I, I totally, you know, uh, resonate with what you said about uh, labels and, you know, pedestals and all that sort of stuff is like we are confining ourselves in an unconfined universe. You know, the cosmos is unlimited and we mm. limit ourselves to the potential of our nobility, you know? And man, I talked about this in my recent podcast and it pissed a little people, it pissed, you know, pissed my community off, so to speak. Um, because, you know, it just goes to show that our um, labels come with a deep sense of attachment and a deep sense of non-acceptance of others outside of that label and you and i both know this man like you know we're vegan we're plant-based we we you know have our morals and our ethics based on our own personal values and in in, and portraying them out into the world so we make that decision for ourselves have we have i always been like that no i was fucking you know spreading my values heavily on others to allow them to change and which is a sense of non-acceptance in my perspective of like when they don't change they're like what's wrong with you what's wrong mm. with you casting that judgment 100% 100% resonate with that mm. and and particularly the people closest to me have been the biggest victims of of my non-acceptance Mm, the biggest victims of my non-acceptance. That's fucking cool, man. So during that period, <clears throat> that unwoke period, what was your biggest vice? My biggest vice? What grabbed hold of you hardest? My biggest vice, Luca, would have been attention, bro. Um... And more specific attention of others and validation and approval. Yeah, attention, a uh, validation, but and and specifically laughter, bro. Specifically laughter. Um, a cheap lol. <laughs> Honestly, biggest vice, and this is going from this goes back to when I was nine, ten years old until twenty six years old, and and still, I'm still battling with that same hunger and that same uh, insecurity of needing mm-hmm. to be liked to be funny mm-hmm. and to have the the last word the last laugh and to um, and that 
the, the only difference being that that used to come before almost everything else was to be the funny guy, to do funny shit, to be the man, kind of a bravado, to be like, oh, I feel insecure right now. What can I do to belittle someone else or make myself feel superior? Oh, cool. Yeah. I'll put down this teacher in front of a class of 30 students and get a massive roar. Yeah. Yeah, I see that, man. And that was all, you know, your own shit now, you realize, which is something you probably, I would say, definitely don't do now or are well, more well aware of it. Um, yeah. But that's interesting. It's interesting to see what people's vices are because, you know, we go from drugs and alcohol um, to sex, to porn, to food, to actual, um, instead of, you know, it's all external, but instead of being like a substance, it's actually like a human. It's actually the energy from another human or a group of humans yeah. is my vice. Yeah. Because everything you just listed that's external, I've had a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And I still have relationships with a, a lot of those things in a not 100% healthy way. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And, and my opinion being some of those, I don't think it's possible to have a, a healthy relationship with. But, mm. but um, what would, what would one of those things be? I think substances, bro. I think substances in general. And again, it comes back to... As in like drugs yeah, drugs, or yeah. drugs and alcohol? Drugs and alcohol, I think, are through and through a negative thing. Um, and negative and, and has only negative effects um, on humans. However, I say that I say that, um, and I want to back that up immediately because that's my opinion. And there are, and I believe there are exceptions through that. Um, there are exemptions also to what I would describe as a drug versus a plant or a medicine. Okay, and that might come in the substance or in the in the form of, say, CBD oil or uh, marijuana. Mm. Yeah, and I think that there are exceptions, mm-hmm. but I am speaking from all I can do is speak from my own experience and my own mm. understanding of these things. And I can also accept and appreciate that people around me or people listening to this will have different experiences. And I totally, totally accept that and I actually I think that's cool if people experience that differently to me that's great um I obviously work in the field that I work in um uh, experience um you know people who are victims of, of violence and family violence and abuse and physical violence sexual violence and so that affects me differently as well and that forms a little bit of who I am and I have to be careful of not attaching my identity to those things as well mm. but yeah um, mm, interesting, man. Very interesting. <laughs> it's good to hear your perspective, bro. Yeah. So, what what emotion challenged you most? I've got five emotions that challenge um, men predominantly, and that's ang- anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, and anger. Through your journey, which one challenged you most? That's anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, and anger. <clears throat> anger still challenges me quite a bit in really subtle ways. I've written about it quite a bit. I've diarized. Mm. I've tried to sift through some stuff. Um, 
I did you ever contribute that to something that's happened in your past? Yeah, I have done majorly, and 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 a moment where I dove deeper into that was through actually meeting with you in Bali, come uh, you know having an encounter with you. Uh, because of the work that you do and the nature of your work and, and just, just getting on some good yarns, man. And, and you pose some really challenging questions that, that I really respect because I think we all need to hear those things. But even before that, I knew that some of the ways that I was behaving was a, was a, a vortex or a window back into my past and a window into what, what had happened and it mirrors it mirrors back at at me as an adult and there's science behind all of that in terms of the way our minds work and our brains and and you know the trauma we've experienced or the way the times in our life where our brains at different developmental stages um and 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 so a challenge for me brother is acknowledging some of those things uh at some point <laughs> Uh, do, some do, of those memories are you talking about? Yeah, diving into those, but also um, um, before we go on, uh, accepting responsibility and accountability to change those things and not mm-hmm. going, this happened to me, uh, this is the way I will be and this is the way it yeah. will it will um, unfold or you know, I'll slip into these dark times and this is just what happens because this is what happened to me. But uh, hang on, you know. Am I going to live my life like that forever? Mm-hmm. I feel you, bro. Have you found forgiveness for any of that at the moment? Yeah, I have found forgiveness for that. Um, yeah, that's a really good question because I, I don't, I can't pinpoint. I, I can pinpoint a couple of things and people that I forgive, but I can't pinpoint everything. And so I have work to do. Yeah. I've got work to do. We all do. Yeah. We all do, man. I know it's funny, but it's like when you do pinpoint it, I mean, I don't think there comes a moment where you definitely, where you like specifically go, fuck, that was it. It's like the aha moment. But the fact that you have awareness of it, and this is in my own experience with the people I work with and myself, it's like just the fact that you go, there's something in there. What is it? That, that, that responsibility to inquire within the self is like what really just starts the unraveling and the journey. And I mean, look, bro, did you ever have awareness that you had anger bottled up and connected to, to something in your past? Nah. And it's like who you are now goes, oh, I got work to do. And yeah. I'm, in resp- I'm, I'm in control and I'm responsible for my journey. And so that's the key. That's the key, man. How long it takes is different for everyone. Yeah. Do we become Buddha at the end? Not sure. Do we want to become Buddha? Not sure. Um, but do you want to be a better, healthier, happier version of yourself? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Totally. That's the quest, bro. It's funny, when you say, you've said it a few times, when you say, um, this is a side note, oh, that's a good question. I think of Kevin Hart, and I watch a bit of Kevin Hart on YouTube <laughs> now and then, to have a good laugh. And he, he said this one skit. He goes, that's a really good question. And Kevin Hart being Kevin Hart goes, yeah, I know. I don't ask fucking stupid questions. <laughs> so every time you say that, I say, yeah, I know. I don't ask stupid questions. Maybe that in the um, future when I talk to you, Luca, I should just come to expect it. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just see me as pure brilliance. Yeah. Revere me 
Revere me as your Lord. Yeah, I love that, bro. Um, all right, so next question. Whose love did you cra- crave most uh, growing up and who did you have to be to get it, bro? my man? Who did I have to be to get it? Yeah, whose love did you crave most growing up and who did, who did you have to be to get it? Um, definitely my dad's, man. My dad's love was the one that I craved the most because I was, um, I was like, I was swaddled in love by my mum, you know. <laughs> I was completely, yeah, and, and, and my dad and, and part of, part of my, um, part of what I've worked through, man, is recognizing how my dad loved me and that it looked different to how my mum loved me. Um. But definitely craving, huge cravings of love for my dad and how, how I had to adapt or change or what I changed to get that love. I was hyper aware of being very different to my dad, just my personality, my nature. Um, I'm, I'm a lot more like my mum. I'm, well, I'm myself first and foremost, but I'm not a perfectionist in the way that, or, that my dad is or... I'm not meticulous with um, detail. Um, so how did that? How did that attract you to want his love? Like, why was it? Why did you have to shift to get his love? I have no idea, man. That that's um. That was mm. just a magnet within me. That meant that I, you know, and whether that's just a son to a dad, and that's why I needed. Why, you know, and that could be the same for sons and dads um, and, and maybe not. So would you have to change your actions? Would you change your actions around him to like, or would you do things outside of your nature to impress him? Like be perfect, be no. like. Yeah, see, quite the opposite. I'd do things to trigger him. I would get a reaction out of him because that was also in my personality was that getting a laugh. Um, but I knew that I, I think I was, resi- I was, I was resigned to the fact that I, I think I resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to get that type of acceptance because I was, mm. I felt very different. And I think that that may or may not be, have been the truth that might mm. not have been the truth. That's the way I manifested that. or I. I that's what I dealt with. The way I grappled with it was actually pushing more of those buttons that made us different instead of doing anything to mold into or to fit into that love. Mm-hmm. I feel you, man. It's interesting seeing that. It's like it's noticing that in a lot of the responses is whoever's love they got most, they knew they didn't need, so they went for the one that had less. And they, you know, it's such an interesting correlation. So talk to me about talk to me about a one of the lowest points in your life, bro, and take me back there to that memory and and explain it and and if you if you ever considered suicide through those periods, those low periods, and what that looked like. Yeah, sure. Um. It's funny. Nothing actually. 
nothing springs to mind. And I think that um, it's it'll sound it could sound odd or it could just sound wanky or it could sound any any way someone listening might take it. But I haven't experienced massive lows. I haven't. I feel extremely fortunate, but I've probably made choices that have meant that I haven't. But also, I'm I feel privileged as well. Um, probably the lowest point may have been when I ruptured my ACL last year, um, having that full kind of health and freedom of movement and athleticism stripped away all through one movement in a, in a footy game that meant, you know, I'm, I'm out, I'm unable to walk. I have surgery. I still today have pain and aches in my knee, but I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm able to play football now Mm. um, over a year later, but I haven't ever felt extremely low. I've also never mm. truly contemplated suicide. Um, I've had fleeting, I've had fleeting moments of who would love me if I just drove off into a ditch, or who would mm. care, who would miss me, or is life easier if I just um, drove into a, an oncoming car right now? But it's just questions you pondered. Yeah, but I, I seriously and I wholeheartedly mean this. I think that a lot of people have those fleeting thoughts. Like I'd say a hundred percent of people think that. And I obviously I'm unable to speak on behalf of anyone. But I think that that for me is different from I don't want to I don't want to um lie to myself in saying that I have felt suicidal when i know uh, mm. a lot of people have truly been in that dark place he had more of a will to live than anything that could yeah. ever overpower any of those thoughts yeah 100 percent. and when i did have those yeah. fleeting thoughts that's just my like wayward mind and my ego and my unconscious mind just going oh you know that thought you know maybe after an argument with a partner or something but it's something so yeah. minimal yeah i feel that man so in that case, like, I, I think, you know, everyone's journey is so unique. So you're, you know, it's what generally most people have like a really, really big low and then that leads to a significant moment of awakening. What was your moment of awakening that led you down more of a conscious path? Yeah, <laughs> I can't say really good question because, hey, you know, we're seeing, <laughs> we're seeing a theme here. We're seeing Everyone's a, a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, man. Um, seriously, I, I struggle. I still struggle to pinpoint the time. I think it was a series of events because even, say, for instance, I think one of the biggest changes I've made in my life was um, going vegan, going plant-based, whole foods, you know, going not whole foods. I've fluctuated in and out, but just going into that kind of, oh, let's consider every being rather than just humans. Let's just consider them and what they, their interests might be on this earth. So what triggered that change, though? Well, my sister had been vegan for like two and a half years before me, my little sister. And I found myself, it's, it's funny, I found myself in group situations around friends and around other people where they would be speaking about my sister kind of having a laugh, making light of her being vegan and saying, I wonder how long it'll last, having bets on how long it'll last and 
you know, mm. what the fuck kind of thing. And found myself, and this could just be the brother in me, the big brother, defending her. But I knew, I think I knew that I, one, understood, but I also agreed with a lot of the foundations of her decision. And I learned more through her. But it's funny because I watch things like documentaries on on how we treat other animals on Earth. You know, non-human animals like Dominion. Dominion that had that was nowhere out yet. Like um, cowspiracy, Earthlings. There's some stuff in there, and I and I um I didn't change an out like I didn't change an inch. I didn't change a, a single aspect. And it was like a year later with no prompting thing. You know how a lot of people see something and then they're like, all right, I'm instantly going to change right now. For me, I was just coming home from Great Barrier Island after like a pre-Christmas massive um, family weekend away with all this seafood and fresh, fresh caught from the ocean and all of this. And I loved all that stuff. I love the flavors and all of that. Just on the boat, listen to music, sun is shining, the city, like Auckland city's coming up and just went downstairs and I just had a thought. And it came from nowhere. I don't know where it came from, but I was like, I'm going to try to go vegan um, starting tonight. Just before the seafood? Just after. Before eating the seafood? Just after. Oh, just after. Coming on the boat home. And I'm like, I'm going to try to go vegan, announced to my partner and my family. Just just give it a, win- give it a whirl. And, and within a week, I weaned off the big glass jar of lollies that I've been given for my birthday. And this is four days before yeah. Christmas. So I had a vegan Christmas. And I and like within a week I went from eating anything under the sun, chicken feet at Yamsha, like all of that. And to then to to full full vegan and haven't touched any animal products since then. Um, with the exception of like obviously inadvertently, you know, not checking the ingredients on the back of something and then uh, uh, you know. And again, that's another discussion for another day, but when that shit happens, mm. you know big fucking whoop like move on yeah. like when people are like oh i had a little bit of cow milk in my in my coffee and i was out for like a week i just felt <laughs> terrible and i my stomach was churning and it's like well yeah okay maybe your body was affected in some way but like don't beat yourself up over it just get over it like you know like it's mm. it's not the, the yeah yeah, anyway. So, so if that's uh, if we, yeah, like you said, this is definitely another topic that we can talk about. But like, uh, so, so there wasn't really. It was more so going vegan for you, which raised your awareness. But so your sister had sort of planted a seed, and then you were like, "Hang on, there is something about this." Like, when did you actually start to inquire within and look at yourself as like, "I want to be a better pe- person"? Like, was there a moment like that that triggered that change? Yeah. So I think what you're saying is true. So going vegan was a catalyst for more changes in my life to becoming more Mm. conscious and more aware of things around me, the world around me and considering others. And I think that that spurred on to things like um, acknowledging my whiteness in a world that is, you know, white dominated in terms of it's the systems and the the structures Mm. that hold it in place and how it's run and being aware of being like not just not a racist but anti-racist um and i still perpetuate racism don't get me wrong 
and I do that mm. unconsciously. And I, uh, I'm, I'm still a racist person just by living, um, just by being unaware of some of the ways that I benefit from being white yeah. yeah some of the things that are afforded having a to lack me. of appreciation so what you're saying having a lack of appreciation for the gifts that you've been given born white exactly. uh, is is into you as a form of racism to me to me racism. yes to me because that that not always but will will often be the be a, a seesaw that sees me up here and someone who is not born with that privilege being down lower because we live in a capitalist society that sees and, and no it's not a zero-sum game so just because someone is lifted up doesn't mean someone's pushed down but we see that that does happen by and large mm -hmm. like uh, on a mass scale um yeah. But I'd say, bro, honestly, the, the work that I've done, so going from a communications degree, I was still um, just going through the motions, not very conscious of what I was doing. I went traveling to Europe. I mixed in with heaps of people. I was connected. I was I was um, enjoying that. Again, I don't think that I was anywhere near kind of how I feel about life and myself now. Um, and then I think that going into work with young people, my first job with Marzipan, Marzipan, um, helping primary and intermediate students with self-confidence through performing arts and public speaking. So helping students with autism, with Asperger's, with select mutism, helping students who have behavioral issues and are really violent. And then going from that into what I do now, working in sexual violence prevention, I think just those things, those choices that I've made have helped shape kind of who I am. And, and how I am and what, what, who I want to be as a person. What's my legacy when I die? And part of that comes from the ego, yeah? What do I want people to remember me as? Even that I want people to remember me, of course they will, some will, but that comes from, from the ego. But I think it's important for everyone to ask that of themselves. Is like, how do I leave this earth and how did, did, it, did I leave it in a better place than when I was inducted <laughs> and came into the world, you know. Inducted. Yeah, I mean. That's cool. Great. Yeah. So, like, if that's an interesting path, man. It's, it's, it's really, yeah, unique to you. Did you, um, did you, was healing, like, as you've sort of shifted, was healing a part of your journey? And, and you know, healing that the old ways that you were unaware of and, and shifting into more consciousness. What type of healing helped you most if it was a big part of your journey? Cool. Or a small part? Yeah. I think healing has played a relatively small part in my life so far. I think I acknowledge every time I have deeper conversations with people around me and truly connect, I, I see more things propping up that I need to address in the future. But it's played a relatively small part so far. Um, yeah. But to answer your question, I think that a lot of the upskilling I do and the areas that I'm aware of where I need mm. to be better or try to yeah. do better are areas that I think also translate to healing, my type of healing. That's how I see healing for me. Like dialogue is like what you're saying. Dialogue. Conversations. Yep, dialogue, but also unlearning. 
So I'm learning some things that I think are problematic or that have that, that hold me back. I think that um, things hold me back. Um, and, and what I said at the beginning of the call about um, feeling comfortable, I think that all of those things can hold me back. So unlearning some things that create these states that I'm in yeah. so that I can flow Respect better. That, man. Yeah. Dialogue, like having conversations to sort of, I think dialogue is one of the biggest healers naturally, even if that is just journaling. But, you know, it's that it triggers that self-inquiry. Mm. And, it, you know, you don't have to go and see an energy healer. You don't have to go and do breath work. You don't have to go and do meditation. If you have a willingness to inquire within and having dialogue to sort of trigger those thoughts or just having that natural tendency to inquire, yeah. it, it does perform shifts. Yeah. For sure. It's like it, it is a little wand in itself. So that's interesting, bro. You're not the first person that actually has um, said that. Yeah. Music. Hey, tell me about your f- music. makes music. me Music makes me um, think of people, situations, past things, and it makes me cry. Um, yeah. Poetry, writing poetry makes me think of past situations, think of people, and it makes me cry. Like these are probably huge things and habits that I've created that help me heal as well. Like, we're, yeah, I'm learning a lot just by going, yeah, again, through this dialogue. Even in, yeah, even in poetry yourself, like, that melancholy that you feel in there is actually triggering a sensation of feeling that takes you back to a memory, nostalgia, whatever it might be, to even be able to create a masterpiece in, in, in writing it in itself. Yeah. yeah. I think you can agree a lot of you know, great artists mm. in any form always have a tendency to feel deeper than, than most and think deeper than most. Yeah, for sure. You know? There's that melancholy, that um, that extreme lows and, and extreme highs or tapping into darker sides of themselves. I've written some really real shit that I'd be scared for people to read, but at some point I want to overcome that fear and share some of that because the vulnerability is more important than my fear in terms of creating social change. Totally. The service of that piece is so much greater than you and you're doing a disservice to humanity if you wither in your fear. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I respect that. Tell me about your friend group, man. How has that shifted through your journey? Um, I'm still real tight with my schoolmates. I didn't have any solid friends until high school and i've still got the same friends i had when i was 13 year nine um they're my so they're, that's you're 28 now right 28 so yeah we're talking 15 years. years i'm still really tight with some of them um and they've influenced me a lot man they i mean friends do but over the years i've also seen myself grow apart and away from a lot of them those who are closest to me in different ways i've pulled away and that's affected my mental health. That's made me question who I am and, and what kind of person I am and, and made me feel lonely at times. Um, and I'm, I can point to different things that have, that have made me feel like that. So, so going vegan, for instance, made me pull away. It also made me reevaluate some friendships, but also just feel very different from my friends because mm-hmm. um, that, that kind of identity that I attached myself to made me view my own values and morals very differently and, and made me realize some truths about how the world operates, that it subjugates and oppresses other beings. 
and that. And then did that did your friends not accept that, or were you not accepting of them? I think my own perception of what they thought of me and my change was more powerful than anything. So I think it was more my own fear of judgment. And is that the thing that you're still pretty much working through now? Is it the oh, old friend group? Constantly. Mainly? Constantly. And not just my old friend group, but constantly working through that fear and that um, separation. Yeah. But like I say that, Luca, but then the beautiful thing is I still have really close relationships with my schoolmates. And yeah. we're re- cool. we can talk about some really deep stuff. We talk about relationships. We talk about um, We talk about jobs and losing jobs and feeling like down um and there are some limitations to what we talk about and that's that's a shame and we struggle to say i love you and we we have those masculine parameters that are set up by our dads by our society by our media by our social media that that prevent us from being truly raw and authentic with each other but then i also have close friends who i've made in the last year yourself included but i have other friends who are more in line with the person i am today and and have been since the age of say 26 27 in terms of feeling more alive more conscious and satisfy that deeper aspect of you that wants to be heard and seen yeah and we talk about some of those deeper things and we tap into that but i'm also aware of the dogma and the paradigms and how we shift our paradigm and we attach to a new group of people Sometimes those people were just as close-minded as the last group, mm-hmm. but 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 yeah. in a different the dogmatic way. Dogmatic mechanisms. The dogmatic mechanisms are still uh, underlying, aren't they? In, yeah. in in different dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, I see that, man. I see that. So, would you say that there is still like a big part of you that is scared to change because you're scared to um, be too different and leave the old group of friends for, for fifteen years? Because you're scared of like that, the potential shift that that might create. Yeah. So my personal feeling is that I don't have to leave any of my friends. What I can do is come to terms with the fact that I might be fundamentally very different and I've grown apart, but, but I can just make those, I need to get rid of that fear, get over that fear through doing and just through being. Rather than doing, yeah. I suppose, just being, being me and seeing what happens authentically and organically. So if friends drift away, they drift away. And I've seen a couple of friends drift away. Um, and I actually don't have any ill feelings towards them. I would still, I wow. still love them actually just as much as I've ever loved them. But I've let them drift away. And I acknowledge my part to play in that, that I've let them drift away. It's not just them moving away from me. It's me moving away from them too, not reaching out, saying, hey, let's catch up because my priorities have shifted and I'm focused on other things at different different times in these last few years. So I don't see myself needing to leave friends. It's like, hey, I'm going to be myself unapologetically and um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. That's interesting, dude. Would you say that there's a um, your what's greater for you, the fear of judgment or the fear of not creating your legacy? Fear of not creating my legacy. 
I like how you pose that because you've tuned into a couple of things like that are real prominent in, in what I'm dealing with right now, which is moving away from that fear of judgment and leaning into the uncomfortable things that I need to, that I want to achieve for myself mm. and for others in order to create some kind of legacy. And part of that is just serving other people who need yeah. help, support, or who just need to be heard. Yeah, um, real, and I, I think, real. yeah, and I think that my fear of not ha- leaving a legacy would is definitely bigger than fear of judgment, and it's only a matter of time before those scales completely topple. Yeah, I was going to say you've got a good foundation of uh, acceptance, self acceptance, and acceptance of others, and the awareness of detachment and the power of detachment. So I think it is just a matter of time until that really unleashes for you. Not by that. Um, appreciate that and we've got two questions to go my man what part of your conscious journey are you most grateful for ah yeah awesome um what i'm most grateful for is coming to terms with the fact that it is my own journey and no one else's i'm most realization that you thought fuck this is my journey and i'm in control yeah, I'm in control of me. I can't control anyone else. Can't control my partner. Can't control my parents. Can't control my friends. Can't control the students I teach or, or facilitate um, this program for. I'm in control of myself. And probably the best, the, the most value I have to add to other people's lives is through adding value to my own. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm most grateful for. Yeah, that's fucking awesome, man. Love that. What's one tip that you would give your old self who was just starting this journey, you know, going, you know, triggering the shift to look at all beings as with love and, you know, who, what would you give that guy? What tip? To be honest, man, I feel a little. I feel emotional with this question. Like I feel a bit choked up. Um, I probably hope that a younger me um, was more self-accepting of himself. Mm. I wouldn't have anything to tell younger me or teach younger me. I would allow, I would probably relive what I lived and I, I, I don't know what I would change, to be honest. I think I still go through those motions in order to become who I am. I, I feel really proud of who I am, feel super proud of who I am. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I think part of that is feeling okay with saying that. Um, I've had to come to terms with like that, sitting in that pride and being like, yeah, I'm proud of who I am. And I'm confident. I'm extremely confident of where I am and who I am and what my purpose mm. is. I don't know what that purpose is, but I know that, that that'll sort itself out yeah. what I'm meant to do in my life. Yeah. But I wouldn't say anything to old me. I would accept to just love love yourself 
and um, the rest the rest would just happen as it happened. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be here. Amen, man. I feel exactly the same. Just full. That's full acceptance, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> Bro, it's been great. It's that been, is the it, twenty questions. It truly has. It's been awesome. Mm, some beautiful answers there, man. You've got a very complex thought pattern and process and you see things clearly very differently and and yeah it's beautiful man it's beautiful i'm excited to watch you expand and have you have you heard of young pueblo no oh yeah okay um why why u-n-g yeah and then pueblo p-u-e-b-l-o cool it stands for um in Spanish young person and this is a, his it's his pen name. He's a writer. I think you'd really like his stuff. Appreciate that. But um <clears throat> I'm I can't wait to see you expand into that uh, well to bring out that poetic side publicly. Thanks, Luca. And I'm really enjoying I'm really enjoying following your journey as well. And um yeah, seeing you go from from stride to stride, man. It's epic. It truly is. I'm proud of you. Thank you, my man. I'm proud of you and I love you, bro. Love you too, brother. I really appreciate that, man. And, you know, I'm grateful that you could be here to share this story because you know as well as I do how many people can benefit from just that dialogue. Yeah. Much love and thank you to everyone listening. Peace out. Peace. Whoa, man. Bring love and just be. I got love in my eyes, bro. I can't see. I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be. Wokeness is taking my old self away. Yeah, I put love into me. I'm spreading that love. Yo, don't you see? Grab your cacao and drink it with me. Cause wokeness is taking my old self away. Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man. Bring love and just be. Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man. Bring love and just be.